Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. Spooktober continues as we cover a very special franchise and remind you listeners that on podcasts, no one can hear you scream. It's Alien on Normies Like Us. What happened to King? I don't think it's attached itself to him. We have to get him to the infirmary right away. What's the matter? The food ain't that bad, baby. Game over, man. Mostly come at night. Mostly. Get away from her, you bitch! Welcome back to Normies Like Us. Uh, the podcast reminds you it's hip to be square. Big yawn. Sorry, folks. We are just waking up from hypersleep. All of us have just sort of come out of the pods. Uh, we think it's October. We think we're still celebrating Spooktober. And we think we're still bringing you some awesome horror content all month. And as Mike said up top, Special one this episode, the Alien franchise. With your host, this is um, Space Marine Colin. I'll be Xeno Mike. This is Jalen Yutani here. <laughs> I'll be Adam Ripley then. Adam nice. Ripley, special guest, Adam Bennett as Adam Ripley. Very happy to have you on the podcast from our Star Wars episodes, from a Star Trek episode, from more space, space content. <laughs> There's been a lot of space happening, yeah. And uh, as we covered last week, we did Scream, and now, according to the intro, the franchise that says, in space, no one can hear you scream. So there's a lot of screaming involved in these. But yeah, Adam, please, can you confirm or deny that this is, in fact, your shit? This this is my shit. Uh, Alien (laughs) is hands down my favorite movie. Um, I've been saying so for years. And usually I like things that aren't that great. Like, I can't defend them <laughs> as actual, like, works of art. And I think Alien is an outlier there. I will defend it as a fantastic movie. And, yeah, it's my favorite. Awesome, awesome. awesome. I, I mean, the uh, the used future we talked on the Star Wars episodes, you know, Alien really feels like it is the used future kind of Blade oh, Runner yeah. vibe. And I think even more than Star Wars did and, just on an aesthetic Dusty. level, I do appreciate that Most about it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. The people are used too. They're they're like as worn out as the ship they're on. Yeah, they must have all been podcast hosts at one time or another <laughs> prior to going into space. But yeah, we're doing it. The whole the whole franchise may be heavier on the first one because it is really special. But we're going to be Alien, Alien Two, Aliens Three, AVP. Maybe you'll sneak in there. We'll see. Can I ask history, Adam? Do you remember the first time you saw this bad boy? Yes, I saw Alien because uh, sometime around 97, 98, whatever it was, I got Alien 3 for Sega Genesis at a garage sale. Of course. Took it home, and oh man, it was terrifying. I was like, what are these creatures? Um, It's really upsetting. So I think it was New Year's Eve, and we always watched a movie on New Year's Eve, maybe even a little bit more risque of a movie than was typically permitted. And so it was the first rated R film I ever got to bring home. Damn. And yeah, it was a it was a revelation. I'd never I was like disappointed that the lead character was going to be a girl, though I didn't know that at the time. Like as it was revealed like mm-hmm. oh man, like I just had to fight with all these like only Star Wars tropes in my head and uh it just almost instantly I was like very affected by it, you know, and truly terrified. Uh, and I, I've loved it since. Awesome, awesome. Awesome. 
Yeah, Jacob, how about you? What's your? Let's throw it over to you. Jacob um, over there looking sus. Got that white milk come out of your mouth. I, yeah, he woke yeah. us up from hypersleep. <laughs> I didn't see you get out of a pod, Jacob. I don't know. Hey, you, you liked it when I did the five finger, you know, fillet <laughs> earlier. That was pretty cool, right? You're not to hurt cool. me, dude. You're you're bleeding pretty heavily. <laughs> the Red Dead Redemption uh, mini game. Yeah, but um, no, I, I I'm totally with Adam here. I mean, Alien, the first Alien is up there with one of my all time favorites. I mean, it's just like a perfect movie to me in every way, like aesthetically. Like I think it's. The production design is like one of the best ever for sure. Like I just love the look of everything in that movie. Um, and Aliens, I'm also a big fan of. Um, I actually have never seen Alien Resurrection. I saw Alien 3 a long time ago. Um, I don't really like those two. Or I mean, obviously I haven't seen Resurrection, but... Uh, and then obviously... You're allowed to not like it without seeing it. <laughs> Um, Prometheus I liked decently and then Alien Covenant not so much but really it's just the first two to me are both classics um, and yeah so I just uh, I love them and I was re-watching Alien and Aliens just right before we started recording here so I'm excited to talk about it right on right on I guess I'll grab this before throwing it back uh, to complete the loop here over to Colin um I came to the party late with Alien. Like, I didn't watch it until maybe college, um, you know, because wow. it was like film school. And they're like, oh, this is like a classic space horror movie. Uh, it probably would have landed for me even earlier. But, um, yeah, after watching it, too, you're just like, wow, like the pacing, the tone, like it creates so many of the tropes, which we'll get into, you know, like kind of the, the space lingo feels like a lot of that visual language of like everything that's not a Flash Gordon or a Star Wars. It's kind of rooted in this. And I do like that a lot. Um, and then Aliens and Alien 3, and then I kind of fell off, um, you know, with Resurrection, and I haven't seen Covenant or Prometheus, but I, I did watch uh, Alien vs. Predator, so <laughs> look out. Nice. <laughs> oh, <right>. nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, I wanted to add my history real quick. I forgot to mention. Um, when I was in high school, I was sick one day, and I knew I was going to be sick, so I, I actually Some taped... pain in your chest? Yeah, I wasn't feeling well. <laughs> um, so I knew I'm I was going to be home from school the next day. So that night I saw Blade Runner was going to be on um, like Spike TV or something. So I, I recorded I had TiVo at home at the time. So I put it on the TiVo and I was like, I'll watch that tomorrow when I'm home sick. Watch Blade Runner. I was like, I'd never seen it before. I was like, that was awesome. I loved it so much. And I was like, who's this Ridley Scott guy? I want to you know, find out more about him. And then... Based on that, I was like, oh, Alien, I've heard of that. I mean, obviously, everyone heard of it. So that after seeing Blade Runner, I checked that out, and I was just in love with that. And I was like, holy shit, this early Ridley Scott, like, legendary. So that's just a little of my history with the Alien franchise. Dope, dope. You have Colin, much better taste than I did as a kid. Uh, <laughs> well, hold on. Two questions to you first, Mike. I want to know. Have you seen oh, every okay. Predator movie? Even if I you haven't seen, seen every Alien. the Predators, you know, movies. Um, oh. And I... Yeah, that one's good. One yeah, of it's pretty good, sequels. right? I the Adrian Brody one. Yeah, I really like that I haven't seen the Adrian one, Brody one with the samurai, and I haven't seen the newest one. The newest one where the they newest one Shane Black Predator. Man. Not good, but I think it's very funny. It's not a good movie. Though. The Did newest I one miss is the one with Predator. Did I not see a Predator movie? Yeah, the one with Olivia Munn. And- Predator one, yeah, Predator two, Predators, oh, the Predator. Yeah, the Predator must have been really bad, right? Because <laughs> it's that really bad, even- Adam. 
I must have seen a trailer. <laughs> Does it exist like, for nope. you? It was really bad, but also <laughs> if you're into like, like I would recommend just watching it because just for the comedy, because it's like a, almost like a so bad it's good kind of movie for me. Mm-hmm. So I would check it out. Yeah, but the bridge between those two universes, obviously, Alien versus Predator, which I only like because the very opening scene shows a satellite in space and it says October 3rd. And like, that's my birthday. I'm like, oh, okay, uh, all this went down. Happy birthday, <laughs> Mike. Thank you. Yeah. My right. second question to you before I give my alien history, just mm-hmm. as we're talking like Spooktober stuff, Mike, I, I can't even really remember in my mind. Are you a big horror guy? Would that have been the aspect that sort of turned you off from starting this franchise young? I think when I was young, uh, I saw some horror movies younger than I should have. Like, I remember hiding on the stairs, looking into my older cousin's bedroom, and they were watching, like, Friday the 13th and the Chucky movies. And, like, those really, like, freaked me out when I was, like, a little, little kid. So, for a while, I didn't Holding really Holding your love Teddy horror. Ruxpin. It's strangling yeah, right. you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, so, I was turned off by the genre for a while. But then, like, you know, when I was, like, in high school and stuff, we would do, like, movie nights and stuff and that's when i did get into like texas chainsaw freddy jason that kind of whole side of the genre. same very late in life early on guys i was not a mike myers a slasher anything else the alien franchise was what i would have called scary movies so my older brother went to a sleepover and i'll tell this story again when we do a james bond podcast eventually but he came back with two bits of freedom for us when he came back from the sleepover the next day dad they showed us this movie, GoldenEye, so I watched that. Oh, well, that means you and Colin can probably start watching the James Bond movies. They also showed us the movie Spaceballs. I have a hmm. question. What is the last scene where the thing bursts out of the guy and does, Hello, my baby, hello, my honey? Oh, yeah. oh that's from the movie's <laughs> Alien. And I'm like... Oh, you're probably <laughs> old enough to watch that. <laughs> well, well, I immediately go... What is that and what is Spaceball? Is it some kind of cartoon? No, it's like a parody of Star Wars. And I'm like, no, nobody would have wasted time to make like a live action to it. Like I could not understand what that meant. So I couldn't even visualize in my mind what the bad guy aliens would have looked like and how accurate it would be in like a fucking Spaceballs movie. So we're going on a road trip. My dad says this is the perfect timing. We rig up a fucking... 16 inch square box TV because it's the goddamn 90s. Mm-hmm. We're going to save. We're not flying. We're going to watch tapes while you go. I'm going to buy you the Alien franchise and you guys can watch this as we travel. Wow. And that was my first experience it. watching it, like in a dark car, zooming around, getting motion sickness while I'm like, oh my God, is Ripley going to be able to get away from this thing? <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's pretty amazing. awesome. I actually, I have, it's one of the only VHSs I own is an unopened alien because my mind thinks that it might be scarier on VHS and I haven't seen it on VHS in so long. You know, it's cropped in, so it's even Mm -hmm. more claustrophobic, got the scan lines, Mm -hmm. it just like fits the aesthetic so well. So true, dude. That's amazing. that's pretty awesome. The whole whole quadrilogy? Yeah, dude. And the franchise just kind of always has that memory with me. I'm with you guys where the later ones really do fall off. I'm a James Cameron acolyte, so I'll just front load it now and say, I think maybe the second one is one of the best movies ever made, which is like a really (laughs) silly thing to say. And you're like, yeah, Sigourney Weaver did deserve an Academy Award for playing a space, you know, Marine in an exosuit. Space badass. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I forgot too that Alien did like uh, coin the word quadrilogy. I remember always having a laugh at that when we would see the box set. Like, oh yeah, the quadrilogy. I, yeah, I saved up seventy dollars when that was very difficult to buy a used set of the quadrilogy on eBay. Damn! Oh, on and eBay. I was going to ask, Adam, I've got some alien merch. You're our expert here. Tattoo, you've got an awesome copy of the ship right there, the escape pod that she uses. I have a little bobblehead of a xenomorph, some other stuff. A Suncoast video kit, our generation. I would go there. They would have so much alien merch, a big poster behind me, too. Like, it's just it's just a cool franchise. I'm glad we all like it, dudes. Absolutely. <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, I'm the same with you, Colin. Like, I wasn't into, like, slasher movies or anything like that when I was a kid, but... I was into sci-fi a lot, so that was kind of my in with it. Because I yes. was like, oh, like dope sci-fi from like the late 70s. Like that was really a prime era for like, you know, obviously Star Wars. Uh, you know, we had Blade Runner and Terminator a little bit later and stuff. So, um, you know, classic. Yeah, and it's definitely like a perfect fit for um, Spooktober, you know. It is uh, started Ooh. out as a horror franchise. And as we talked a little bit about... Um, other franchises where, you know, the first one is generally the strongest and then they kind of drift tonally. You know, we probably have a conversation about a little bit of the same thing happening to Alien. Um, but depending on your tastes, you might love it or hate it. So I say, uh, you know, after this hypersleep, I could use some neat. Let's grab a snack and hop back <laughs> on the Nostromo and let's start talking the Alien franchise. And All right, you like, do that. I'm going to poke around these eggs, Mike. You go right ahead. <laughs> Can I get mine poached? I'm checking for ch- micro changes in air density over here. <laughs> we're back. We're talking alien. And I feel a little sick. I had kind of an accident while we were gone while I was poking these eggs. I'm not going to talk about it for a while. <laughs> It might pop up here in 30 minutes. We'll see. We'll, we'll keep eating. Uh, but in the meantime, let's talk this franchise. We got a little bit of our history. Um, I don't know. You know, favorites. I want to hear all that stuff. Just general thoughts, too. What makes this, like, really cool, unique sci-fi? We talked a little bit about one of the pillars, Ridley Scott. Kind of have a question about him, too, whether or not you guys even think he's kind of an auteur, right? Because he's a guy who really does have a very versatile style. But mm-hmm. the other person we have to mention, artist H.R. Geiger, who yep. is this German sure. expressionist weirdo. Hello, here I come. You know, oh, I'm making the xenomorph. And you're like, oh, what is that? Oh, and you're, and you're very terrified. Like, um, we talked about Ghostface. You know, he, he had a distinct mm-hmm. look. Aliens have a distinct look. What do you guys think about that? Adam, I want to get your, your opinion first. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I ever would have watched the movie had not a 16-bit rendition of that character been so terrifying. Like, it's such whatever weird, like, psychosexual, terrifying energy that taps into. Like, that's a key part of the franchise for me, especially when I was younger. Like, it's lost its power now. Like, it's just like an icon. It's not something that haunts my dreams. But my initial, like becoming a fan was driven by like oh this is the scariest looking thing i can imagine this is the last thing i want (laughs) to be a great way to put it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i would say not only the alien design but also just when you first see what we now know is the engineer right in the beginning when they go down to the planet they see the giant you know guy in the ship 
Like that's such a cool design too. And that was Geiger as well. But if I can do a quick um, deep dive on Geiger. So Colin, I don't know if you know this, but so Dan O'Bannon who wrote Alien, right? He uh, got to start working on Dark Star, which is John Carpenter's Carpenter. Um, and then he wanted to do like a serious, you know, sci-fi movie. So he's working on the script for Alien. He actually uh, went over to Europe and was working on Jodorowsky's Dune project with uh, H.R. Geiger. That fell through. Uh, there's a whole documentary about that. If mm-hmm. you want to watch that. Um, but that's where he met Geiger. And then later when he came back, he's working with Ridley Scott on Alien. And he's like, you know what? We should get this fucking weird guy, Geiger. <laughs> hey, I met a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so he showed him to Ridley Scott, and Ridley Scott's like, yeah, let's get him. And yeah, brought that's him how the ne- Necronomicon, right? <laughs> like, just, yeah, let me summon him. Work. <laughs> brought the Necronomicon, and, and Ridley Scott was like, yeah, this is it. But I think they had another, like, concept artist was on contract, and yeah. he was doing great work, but they were like, we need something that looks totally different from right. the human yeah. stuff, which is like and, yeah. a good move. Mm-hmm. And Dan O'Bannon was just so like blown away by some of the designs that H.R. Uh, Geiger had for Jodorowsky's Dune, and then he's like, "Let's get this guy, this weird fucking guy." So, very little side tangent there, but pretty no, but I think it's important because the yeah specific design of that creature, and also the way they're able to build it to be a suit that's worn by a performer and like have a practical effect, like just the 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 lines and the silhouette that it cuts with its head and everything. It's super iconic, you know, and so Giger, you're like, what is this thing? Is it a penis? Yes. Well, what's its mouth? It's also got a penis. <laughs> of course there. it is. Okay. Very phallic, very phallic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it does a lot of penetrating and impregnating And then another will, penis right? comes it's, out of the penis, scary, and then the yeah. penis puts the eggs in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. And then another what? penis comes out yeah. of your chest. It's, it's wild, but yeah, it's super iconic. And even when they get to later designs like the queen, it's, it's really sick kind of physiology. Right. And... Cheers, cheers to Giger for getting those right. Like, I know he was an established artist, but for him to be credited at the front of each movie, like creature design based on original concept, like whoever worked out that contract did the right deal. Like he, he was set forever. based Uh, on. It would be like if the Avengers had like, and Jim Henson presents the Hulk and you'd be like, Oh (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Hey, and I think this is like, yeah, this is coming out at a time, you know, 1979 where like Hollywood is at the height of that practical effects era, right? We're getting kind of the best of the best, whether it's the set design, the lighting being shot on film or the creature design, like it's so strong. Yeah. In every technical aspect, not just the writing or the performing. Yeah. And I'm, and we mentioned the, you know, production design, the used future concept. I mean, star Wars, first star Wars came out just a few years before this. So definitely there's a lot of inspiration from there. And also I think from jaws, which came out a couple years earlier, because this is really, you know, jaws in space where it's like the less you see of the alien, the scarier it is, because you just know it's always there somewhere lurking in the shadows. But when you really see it, that's when, you know, it, you're really scared. So, and it works a lot um, better than Bruce did. Like yeah. Literal True. standpoint. But yeah. I think it's it's very similar to Jaws in that, like, the restraint in overusing, like, overshowing, like, obviously in Aliens, they show the aliens a lot more. Um, but, you know, that's more of an action movie, so it makes sense. But with this, it really is the horror of, you know, the unknown. Like, it just could be just beyond your eyesight and then all of a sudden jump out at you. 
question to my boys then when it becomes more of a creature feature jacob what's scarier to you guys what do you not want to die from the most face hugger versus xenomorph well i think the body the body horror of having the face hugger attached on you with the thing going down your throat and basically impregnating you like to me that's like very scary idea um so probably that (laughs) adam how about you what's the worst way to die from a xeno life form (laughs) <laughs> I think I think the worst way is a smooch from the reg- resurrection alien, but uh, no, definitely <laughs> the face hugger. Like I'm kind of claustrophobic, uh, which is why this. Like I would I would live my life on a bad '70s spaceship, even though it's a terrible claustrophobic environment. But the idea of yeah being suffocated by a you know face hugger only to have a parasite inside of me, yeah, that's real bad. That's about as bad as it gets. Right, and I remember. Yeah. From my first watch, like the most iconic thing, not even the Xenomorph, which is obviously iconic, but to me, the most iconic scenes of the whole movie was John Hurt, you know, the facehugger like goes off him and dies and he wakes up and he's fine, right? You think he's fine. They're having dinner and everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, obviously... You know what happens after that? No spoiler. Well, I, I guess well let's spoiler. just say, yeah, this is a, it's 1979. <laughs> We're going to spoil these things, but yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, I mean, that dinner scene. Go back to sleep. Yeah, that dinner scene. I'll just say is the most iconic thing for me from my first watch mm. that really stands out as like a really holy shit moment. Um, you know, it's one. Of, I think one of the greatest jump scares of all time. You know, you talk about you know, True. the shower scene in Psycho. The jaws when you first see jaws come up out of the water, and it's you know the chest bursting alien like that. I can't even imagine seeing that in theaters when that movie was released. I would have like shit my pants. <laughs> People Mike. did throw up. Oh wow! In theaters oh, is what I've read. People I would, would vomit <laughs> in the theater. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, it turns on a dime so quick too because you do think he's fine and they're having just a meal and bantering. And then out of nowhere, it's like this guy is not okay and continues right. to get even more not okay up until giving birth and dying. And again, it's just the wild. practical effects. I mean, that was the the golden era of practical effects, and I just don't think it would work as well today with CG. But and you know, it's a puppet. Like you can watch it t- today and see that it's obviously a puppet. But I don't but care. It still yeah. works. Yeah. And they. I mean, imagine trying to get those performances with CG. Like, right. one of the reasons I stand behind Alien so much is the performances are fantastic. They're very believable. They're very totally. rooted. They do feel like space truckers. Mm-hmm. And part of that is Ridley Scott going, I'm an art director. I don't know how to work with actors. Just build the whole ship and lock them in the ship for eight hours a day. Like, I'm going to give nobody any direction. They're like a lot of them are new actors. They're just going to be sweating it the whole time. They're going right. to be like miserable and tense. Right. And, and that set, too, like it would be easy to lose yourself in there. And I think like LEDs are the death of good sci fi design. Because when it was just like a ton of light bulbs and shit, yeah. like it's yeah. so much better. I like lasers know? over fog, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Just actually, yeah. Like just little light That's bulbs inside thing. a switch. Yeah, it's the, Who's the rock and roll show. filter. Yeah. Right. They, they borrowed it from the Who. Oh, true. Wow. But yeah, but Adam, like you were saying, that cast is great. And obviously, you know, a lot of those actors went on. You know, John Hurt did a bunch of stuff. Harry Dean Stanton, obviously, we love him. Um, but a fun fact that you might know about the chest bursting scene in particular, the performances in that, they knew 
the actors knew that it was going to come out of chess, but they didn't know that they were going to have the blood squibs that shoot everywhere, kind of. And so those those reactions are actually genuine because they didn't know the blood was going to squirt on. And the lady that plays Lambert specifically, um, like basically just had a, like a freak out when that happened. It was like totally real, and they used that cut. So Sigourney um, tries sensitive. to hide. You can see. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> There's some not defendable like psychological stuff that was done to the actors on that film that growing up wanting to be an actor, I was like, that would be so cool. But like Uh, there's a scene in the director's cut where Lambert comes down after Ripley has been like, no, you guys need to stay outside in quarantine. She comes in and she slaps Sigourney Weaver across the face, which Sigourney Weaver didn't know was going to happen. So Sigourney Weaver is trying not to cry because her character wouldn't cry. And like, it's a great shot, but also like, Come on, you got to tell your actors they're going to get slapped in the face. Right. It's very Kubrickian. <laughs> it's not cool. I was going to say, yeah. I, I yeah. wonder, yeah, I don't think it crosses the Kubrick shining line. But yeah, definitely some w- techniques that would not be used today, let's say, to yeah. get those performances. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like the, the, the way those actors, you know, like you buy like the terror and like just this unknown thing. And like, yeah, the first one, as we said, it is just a legit horror movie and it is He's- still so good. You guys listed off a couple of them, but we got Ian Holm from The Hobbit, Yafet Koto, right. the bad guy of a James Bond movie, Harry Dean Stanton, as Jacob said, just mm-hmm. a veteran character actor. It's that kind cat. of, and yeah. Jonesy the cat, it's kind <laughs> of one of the best casted movies of all time. Um, yeah. And then and on the, top uh, of that, I was just going to say the progressive stuff. You talked about Lambert for a little bit, and then you kind of find out that she plays a character that transitioned, and you're like, what is this weird future where everybody just says their last names, and they're all part of this like cool crew, and like we said, they're very blue-collar, but still very advanced and understanding? Yeah, I was going to say the Captain Dallas. Uh, I don't know that. I forget that actor's Tom name. Tom Scarrett. I kind of think of him as a as a poor man's uh, Kurt Russell. Like that could have been Kurt Russell in that role. And that Jacob, been the that's so funny that you say that. When I watched this this time, I was like, "This is really giving me the thing vibes." When he's talking to yeah. Mother, it's R.J. McCready on the computer looking up stuff about the thing too. You know, I was like, "Damn, there's yeah. a lot going on here." And that's my totally. favorite light bulb room when he's like, "What are my chances?" <laughs> Does not compete. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it, it really got die. me thinking about the thing as well. I like that. Um, yeah, but yeah, like you said, you the, the working class blue collar crew just trying to do their job, just want to get paid. Um, yeah, it's great. Yep. And to, to clarify my earlier statement about like, uh, oh man, the main character in this is a mm. girl. Like that absolutely was my attitude growing up as a white little boy Same. who every hero that <laughs> I ever watched was me. Yep. Like I could right. picture, you know, I saw myself. Oh, people kissing this? This is dumb. <laughs> yeah, like, Gross, get out of here. Um, but I think that was, you know, that's something when we studied Alien at my film school that I minored in <laughs> in central Arkansas, you know, that was kind of the revelation to me is like, oh, this is kind of like a feminist work. And, you know, you can get into like some people argue about the scene at the ending. Is it sexualized that she's stripping down or is it just showing that she is a female? Like what is, you know, but she's mm-hmm. not trying to play like a macho action hero she's just like she's a very believable character who's making the best choices in the situation like um it was just important at at that age for me to have that like kind of sink in and also for me to idolize sigourney weaver yeah from that (laughs) to fall in love i mean i would argue she she becomes and respect (laughs) 
she becomes like this badass in the later movies, but at first, you know, she's just a normal person doing her job and she does seem more competent than like some of the crew members, but like she's the third officer on that ship. So it makes sense that she would have a little more authority than some of the other characters. And then later, you know, she, because she has so much experience with dealing with the aliens, she becomes this like super badass. Um, but yeah, I, the I think Sarah Connor uh, issue. Yeah, totally. Totally. And but, she's um, not she's no. not ever hyper sexualized in an era where any like female lead it was like all right we got to get the metal armor bikini like it's yeah it's time I would say the end of the first one it did strike me watching this time as like a little gratuitous where she like how much down you see the butt the, the panties yeah and everything so you know I it's it's whatever but I, I think I that's still, a that's a very fair argument. Like I've read papers on both sides defending it and tearing it down. And for me, it just boils down to when I watched that movie as a little boy, I was not like, oh, I'm horny now. Mm-hmm. Right. I was just like, this is terrifying. <laughs> right. If I can jump then, just because we said the beauty of it, I would argue once we get to Aliens, you're saying the strong white female trope James Cameron does, but the whole movie is embedded with the matriarchy. We have the queen, of course. We have... Ellen Ripley. Mother on the ship. But, uh, mother Mothers. on the ship. And then Ellen Ripley is basically the mother of Newt. She is taking on single mm-hmm. motherhood. There's no father in that picture, you know, in her equation. It's not like Corporal Hicks or anything is going to be her boyfriend or something. Like, it's right. it's so female positive. And I'm not giving this to any incels who are like, and this is what Captain Marvel should be. She's not talking about how she's a lady or something. And (laughs) Alita's like this too, because she's beautiful and I just want to marry her. And it's like, no, 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 no. Relax. Everybody relax. You can have it both ways. If, if the beautiful thing about Ellen Ripley is if she wanted to plant a big kiss on somebody at the end of aliens, even if it was Bishop or somebody and she had like overcome all that, it would make sense. She's just very in charge of her life. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Sigourney Weaver is a very attractive person, but she's not, like, hyper-sexualized in these movies, for sure. So, yeah, I like it. Yeah, she seems like than... she's in charge for the first two movies, for sure. Totally. Hell totally. yeah. And what are your general thoughts, Adam, as uh, our expert on this podcast of kind of the aliens uh, overall? Oh, man, the a- Aliens is a film? Yeah. Wow. Wow, this is going fast. Um, aliens, I we can love jump back. Death. We can jump back to any of it, but yeah, tell I, us. Uh, we can jump all us. over. If yeah. I wrote a, but, uh, a dollar sign next to your name, Adam, and pitched it as a sequel, <laughs> would don't. you imagine it would be good? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's exactly what a sequel should be. I think Aliens is kind of a perfect sequel, which is like we're gonna take this, move it somewhere else with just as much effort and like attention to detail. Like, I don't really want to see Alien 2 and it be another, like, it be Alien 3, essentially. Like, Alien 3 is trying to be Alien 2. Aliens is great, and I think it is absolutely the coolest movie of the franchise. I think it's maybe one of the coolest movies ever made. Like, I can't think of a more badass sequence than Ripley going into the alien nest. Like, that's, that's like, as cool as it gets. Right, right. And then, like, is James Cameron really good at taking a, like, horror-ish franchise and skewing it to, like, blockbuster action movie? Like, is yes. Avatar 2 just going to be better? Is he good at sequels? <laughs> well, like should Adam just said, Titanic 2? Yeah, Mike, is that what a sequel should do? Do you think it's allowed to morph the genre? Go from horror Zeno. to action. 
Yeah, yeah. I think See? it definitely has to. Because you knocked it out of the park the first time. Let's do something a little bit different. And then also look at how this character has changed and, and has a new role like in her world, you know, because of her previous experience. I am totally down. My take is that Alien was a perfect movie. It really didn't need a sequel. It could have just been a perfect standalone movie, but obviously they want to make a whole franchise around it. Um, so I think Aliens basically is the perfect um, you know, sequel to that in that it did the only thing that you can do to keep it fresh uh, and it made it a you know, big action movie instead of a slow-burning horror movie like the first one. So I, I love Aliens as well. Um, and I think it's also very influential with the space Marines. I mean, how many times have we seen those in the last you know 30 years? So I think that did a lot for like where, you know, science fiction in general. Now, mm. Jacob, you keep pitching that, uh, the Halloween franchise, if they do a sequel, it should be about how Mike Myers joins a heist crew and he's, he's just going <laughs> around, you know, we got to flip those genres too. Yeah. Yeah. Evolve all genres. I mean, I do like, we kind of touched on, yeah, like the. The alien queen and then, you know, kind of the motherhood role that Ripley's assuming. Like, I do like that idea of it's like both the alien queen and Ripley are kind of justified in what they're trying to do, like protecting their own kind of people. You know? totally. So you're going to like that idea. Resurrection. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> nope. I also the one like, I haven't seen yet. <laughs> um, I also like the kind of the anti-capitalist um you know, yeah. of, of both alien and aliens. Cause an alien, you know, they're working class people just trying to, you know, make their money. And they're even talking about, you know, why don't we get the bonus that he gets, blah, blah, blah. And in both these movies, also the villain, even more than the aliens is the corporation, the company, Wayland Utani. Um, Cause in the first one you have Ash who basically, you know, his number one priority is to get the aliens back to um, the company. And then in this one, uh, you have, you know, obviously Paul Reiser's character, who's the big villain of this movie, basically, because, um, you know, he kind of orchestrated everything because he wants to bring the alien back for money. Right. And all, he's mad about all the colonizers alien. down there, too. So I love that angle of it as well. And they make sure, you know, it's the company, not robots <laughs> by by flipping that in the second. Right. Movie, yeah. Which I'm Lance Henriksen. I'm a good guy. <laughs> the. The the first few times I saw Alien, I was so it was so intense to me. The twist with Ash got me like three mm. times or something. Like what a what an amazing chef's kiss on top of an already like what a great B plot to throw totally. into that film. There is no head yeah. on the hat to the universe where it's like we're already in sci-fi, we're on a spaceship, they discovered an alien, maybe this is the first time, maybe people do know about this thing. But sure, why couldn't one of the crewmates be a robot? Like, you don't think about it when you're 10 years old, but once it happens, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> right. It does, like, you know, it sells, like, that kind of idea, like, all the tropes of, like, we have a, a diverse crew, and they're just, you know, blue collar, and we got a robot. But they don't but show that hand right away, you know? Can you imagine right. Oscar Isaac Poe Dameron at the end of Star Wars, like, and I'm an android? <laughs> and we'd all be like, what? Yeah, you remember well, that uh, that Han Solo robot? She did it. We got android rights, and <laughs> so now I'm a human robot. 
Why can't right. why can't we do the Haldo maneuver again? Because I'm a robot. Look over here. <laughs> and with the Ash character, sorry, you made one, it. He was like the one character that like represented the company tuning as like very prim and proper as like the science officer. Mm-hmm. So I already didn't like him before I knew he was an android, and then I found out he was a dirty android. But then a Bishop capitalist android <laughs> flips the script in, in the second one, and I just think about the the company scenes in the beginning of Aliens and how like they're talking about you know. That's you left the you know Nostromo. How how many millions of dollars was the you know the payload and everything that you just kind of you know blew up? And she's like, "What are you talking about? Like you care more about your ship than you do about the crew's lives." So love that stuff. Ripley wakes up into a future where she is in debt because of the mistakes a corporation has made. Right, that is beautiful, yeah. Jacob. <laughs> uh, the way that the corporation leads the mission of Space Marines, they we literally get the line later. Uh, the company's no longer in command. This has now become tactical. Hicks, you are now in charge. What do we do? He talks about nuking the site. Um, and the way that the Space Marines say, well, we've been hired for a bug hunt. Now, I ask you, Adam, in this world, one, I kind of want your opinion. Is this the Blade Runner universe? Is it all tied? But are there other aliens, too? What are the space? Is this Space Force? Is this what Trump is making? We are. Is this Starship <laughs> Troopers? Like, what? Right. what are these people? <laughs> It's crazy that that's not explored more in like the extended alien universe because there's really not a comic series of there are tons of alien comics games. It's AVP. always xenomorphs. You're totally it's, right, though. They never well, dive into species. that at all. I would argue that they do in Prometheus, right? So that's oh, it's engineers is what they were killing on the bug hunt before they were hunting down beautiful <laughs> sculpted men. Yeah, yeah, I think what we're to believe is that anything they've encountered before is more primitive, and it's like bug hunts are like, this is boring. Like, we're not even killing people, we're just killing, like, cockroaches that are big, or, like, not really posing a threat to anybody. Not right. fully sentient, like, creatures, kind of whatever, maybe. And I think also, um, that was also, a lot of Aliens was inspired by Starship Troopers, the original book, not the book, right. later movie. Oh, I didn't um, realize that. Yeah, that would make sense, actually. Robert Heinlein, right? So, um, yeah, they took a lot of inspiration for that. So, pretty cool stuff. Maybe just the, even the cool. referencing of a bug hunt could be a yeah. literal nod to that, that and like novel. The, yeah. the dropship and stuff, too, like um, that obviously becomes more of a staple in sci fi later with space marines and that kind of thing. Do you guys right, think right, it's Blade right. Runner? Is it tied? Or these robots, have any of them gone wild? Is that, so. Are they replicants, huh? Hmm. I mean, I think when Ridley Scott made Blade Runner, he did have kind of an idea that th- it might be the same universe as Alien. The Wayland Corp is shipping like ore from deep space down to, to Blade Runner City or something? Yeah, because Blade Runner was made before Aliens, mm-hmm. so and they were obviously both by Ridley Scott. So I would say he definitely, that's something that he may have had in the back of his mind when making Blade Runner. Well, they... It's also set before, far before Alien, like in a timeline. And then you have to wonder, is Jonesy a real cat? And is that why Alien, oh. the alien did not eat Jonesy? Is because Ooh. Jonesy is an android from a an world where cat? real animals are worth way... Yeah, no, sorry, not an android, a droid, a regular droid cat. But, right. No, that's true, because we, we, we talked before the podcast about how, how does the cat survive while everyone else is in hypersleep? And maybe, yeah, maybe it's just a droid cat, and that's yeah. why the alien didn't want to eat it. And it's just collecting right. data and sending it back to Wayland. Yeah. That's a whole new fanfic. Dude, I like that is good, Mike. 
And I was very interested in this when, you know, when I heard, you know, Ridley Scott's coming back to the Alien Universe. He's going to make this movie Prometheus. It's going to be a prequel. It's going to answer all our questions. Um, And I saw the movie. I don't think it's terrible, but uh, it definitely wasn't what I wanted it to be, I guess. But you do see, like, the actual Wayland, right? He's like um, that old guy. Peter Um, Wayland. He's trying to, uh, you know, find the, you know, cure for mortality, basically. He wants to become immortal. Um, Yeah, I think it's interesting. Youth. Yeah. My friends, I was obviously really into the idea of the movie, followed the whole production cycle, which I never do. I think I even wrote an email that was just like, hey, here's some, like, graphic design samples. If I can pay you guys any amount of money to have, like, a graphic design somewhere like stuck on that corner of the wall. Like this is my favorite universe. (laughs) And my friends either hated it, like just despised it, or they loved it because of how deep it was. And Mm -hmm. here's what I'll say about AVP. The start of Prometheus, this deep movie that deals with the human (laughs) mythology and like whatever, it's the exact same intro as Alien versus Predator. The sure. movie is not talking deep. about the gods. Like, and yeah, AVP was first. Like, and AVP came first, had the same hangar scene. So I don't buy that. Like it didn't intrigue me in a deep way. I just uh, watched it twice in theaters and was like, that was pretty fun. I'm not gonna think about yeah, it. Your tattoo, that. your <laughs> alien like, tattoo started glowing red. You're like, it's good, <laughs> it's fine, I like it. Arr! I th- yeah, I, I think, think their chestbuster scene sequel is really great. Yeah. I think that's a great scene. <laughs> like, yeah, Adam, I think but, my my impression of Prometheus was very similar to yours, where I didn't hate it, I didn't think it was amazing. I just thought it was kind of middling, and I enjoyed it, but it it wasn't what I was expecting of Ridley Scott coming back to that universe. And I think that's partially goes as, you know with Ridley's. You know, we asked earlier, is Ridley Scott an auteur? I would say early on, he definitely had a more like cohesive vision for his movies. And uh, as his career went on, he did all kinds of different things where it's like they don't all kind of fit the same mold. But he branched out. He did like romantic comedies, even in, in Gladiator and all kinds Are of different things. Are you not movies. entertained? <laughs> but I would say early Ridley Scott is superior to later Ridley Scott, unfortunately. I mean, that's just the way it is. When you do so many movies, not all of them are going to be winners, right? Um, I love that. That's very interesting. Just to color that, just because we were just talking about Prometheus, I've read a lot of interviews. That's written by Damon Lindelof, or at least a draft of it is. He's sort of credited. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of writers, so he doesn't really want to take the full failure on himself, I've heard him say. <laughs> but uh, the writer's relationship to Ridley Scott, he's someone who does not get a lot of writing credits on his films. He does arbitration for them, and he attempts to because his style is... He stands above you, behind you, smoking a cigar while dictating big ideas out loud of what the film should be about while you write it. And you do have to do like eight to ten hour sessions with him. Like you do not you do not leave. Wow. <laughs> right. So is that, that, that an artist? I don't know. Wow. I think that makes a lot of sense with what we know about Blade Runner and there being like three different cuts and there's the director's cut, there's the ultimate director's cut. Um yeah, I think he kind of takes scripts and then and then changes them to fit what he wants them to be, right? Well, it's wild that the intro to the director's cut is basically Ridley Scott saying, I kind of think this movie's great how it is. 
here's some extra stuff. Like, I guess, you know, after looking at it for 30 years, there are a few things I might change. But basically, I like it how it is. It's like reverse Lucas. Yeah. Adam, is there anything cool about the director's cut of Alien? I watched it on HBO Max for the first time this time. Shout out to HBO Max. If you guys don't know, Mm -hmm. you can always find director's cuts. It's kind of the only program that does that, like in their extras features. But the only thing I I noticed... It's you have to specifically choose it. Yeah, like same for I found Doctor Sleep or Mick G's. This is War has tricks cut on there. Check them all out, guys. Um, That's awesome, Adam. The only thing I noticed about Alien, it's a minute shorter, so I wasn't sure if it's stuff rearranged, stuff added. The biggest difference is, um, and there are lots of differences. I usually watch the theatrical cut. I think specifically there are like two or three shots that are cut in the director's cut that are like very important to me and a specific siren sound that's heard less oh. frequently. But the big, the big addition is the scene of Dallas like glued to the wall where the alien has started to Shit. make its nest oh. around him and he begs Ripley to kill him. And she does with a flamethrower. So that's a pretty, it changes like what the alien would have been because is he being turned into an egg? Is he like, I think he's being, he's inside of an egg and his head is popping out. Like it's, it's very strange. I was watching that the director's cut earlier because I haven't seen it in years, but I didn't get to that scene. I was actually reading about that in doing my research for this, this podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. And they, they also, I know they had an alternate ending where, um, you know, the alien is on the shuttle with Ripley like she like it is in the actual movie. But in the end, the alien kills Ripley and they wanted like the producer sits had this down idea. at the ship and like starts violating it. <laughs> but basically, before they, you know, obviously they didn't know if they're going to make it a franchise, but they there was an alternate ending where they wanted to kill Ripley and have the alien win at the end. But then um, they said, you know what, maybe that's not a good idea to kill. That's you know, that's and not testing. Well, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I also read about, you know, that Dallas scene that you're talking about where he's being cocooned, which we obviously see later in Aliens with the, you know, the Paul Reiser being cocooned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good that made that in there in one form or another. So it seems like Alien and Aliens with this franchise are doing a lot of the heavy power lifting, I would say. For sure. Um, which awesome, by the way. Let's just fight an <laughs> alien with a piece of construction equipment. Like, that is super sick. Oh, my but, gosh. Uh, and it, that... The yeah, that's it's an amazing scene. It's ridiculous, but I love it. <laughs> and they even have the foreshadowing um, with her in the beginning. Where it's like, can I help? She's like, I know how to pilot oh, one of those things. And Jacob, Chekhov's power lifter, man. <laughs> we're using the whole buffalo. Like literally, the script is it's James Cameron. It's so tight. We have to show her fall from grace. She has a remedial job. She's stuck out of time. Let's use what that job is to show a skill. She learns it slowly. She learns it gradually. She develops it and uses it at the end to combat and overcome everything. It is, he does, he does a trick in this movie that he also does in Terminator 2, which is the best device for exposition ever, which is the boardroom meeting, what we talked about earlier. So you're saying it was some sort of uh, alien that killed everybody on the (laughs) ship and it was big and large and here's a description of the first movie? In Terminator 2, we have Sarah Connor locked up in the mental asylum. You say right. she's raving about some sort of killer metal robot? I mean, it's just like, you, mm-hmm. you're just like fed it as an audience and you go, this is digestible. It's easy. I understand the stakes of the world. They're outrageous, but I'm here for the ride. And then totally. we're cranking it up. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, that you mentioned because James Cameron 
Obviously, this is after Terminator, but before T2. So it's kind Abyss of... This is right after this. Terminator T2, is, is getting him the blank check. He's taken over the Alien franchise. Like I said, he literally pitched it at a meeting. I've got one word for you. He wrote Alien on a board, turned, pointed, wrote a dollar sign next to it through Aliens. I mean, again, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be <laughs> like Titanic. Brilliant. <laughs> you, know, you, you just so, can't do make, it. Make three I of love them that it's in like, New Zealand now. <laughs> it wasn't even his movie like either, but he's just like, I got an idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> More Aliens. <laughs> Are you, are you all familiar with the big director's cut thing in Aliens, which is that uh, Ripley has a daughter and that she's passed away while she was, you know, in hypersleep oh, wow. because she Ooh. wasn't picked up. So she's out there for 50 years. Right. And that's tied to Alien Isolation. You play as her daughter. Um, oh, she's very cool. Wow. Adam, how have you played that video game? It's yeah, it's it's like the universe spat out something that I could have <laughs> never imagined. I think it's the best Alien sequel. Wow. That was amazing. I was going to wow. say, no, so I- Elegant Weapon, you are our other awesome Twitch buddy here. Normies, if you're not following and watching him, please, please, please. Mike Jacob, mm-hmm. Umbasa Mufasa, Hob72, 72, 272s? 272s. 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 Check these guys out. I want to see a Let's Play of you guys doing Alien Isolation. I don't know if you do those horror games or whatever. I do not. I've got a little experience with this game, but it's too scary. It's very I've scary. been I've meaning heard to check it out. Scary, very similar to Dead Space, but scarier than Dead Space. And then I also know, I don't know too much about it, but I know there's one alien video game that's like notoriously really bad. So I always confuse those two. Hmm. That's not Space yeah, Marine. Isolation is the very good one. Yeah. Space Isolation. Marine, I think, is the bad one. Oh, it's taking a lot of care. If you're never going to play I- Isolation, I would say the biggest thing about it is that it takes place on a space station that's being shut down, and it is where they build or they like have a bunch of off-brand androids. So like okay. they have like prior versions of Ash that are meant to look a little worse on on purpose, so they're not confusing. You know, and it's like a a really great. Yeah, well, no, they're just like white skinned, like people or like like Michael Myers. But anyway, it's a really, they do a lot of, they have a really lot, uh, they have a lot of great story decisions in that game (laughs) beyond it just being creepy. uh, Yeah. Do you ever do the DLC where you play the original movie? I did, yeah. And it was cool to hear the original cast has some new lines in that. They got a lot of those lines, you know, right uh, before, um, uh, excuse me, I'm forgetting Brett's real name. We just said Harry Dean Stanton Harry Dean passed Stanton. away. Um, yeah. But it was a well, little too... The last couple of years, very sad for the Alien franchise. You know, John Hurt, Harry Dean Stanton, Bill Paxton. Ian Holm. Uh, Ian Holm, mm-hmm. RIP to all. Is John Fat Cotto still yes. with us? I don't know if Yeah Fat Cotto's dead. I was just thinking that same thing, Adam. <laughs> it feels like a really disrespectful. <laughs> it feels like he's all probably dead. All these people dead, right? are dead. Maybe this guy. Tom Skerritt, you know, young people. I think you would only know Tom Skerritt from the scene at the end of Ted the movie, where the little bear's boss is obsessed with Ted Tom Skerritt and brings him to Ted's wedding and goes, "Now I'm gonna kill you after this, you son of a bitch." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> hey, hey guys! Every time I'm on this podcast, I make you guys record for like two hours. So I'm apologizing now. Oh, <laughs> saying no. I'll stop talking about isolation. Don't you no, ever no, I like isolation. Normies, this, this is, is what you're here for. <laughs> right, right. And isolation, another 
theme of the movie, at least the first one, and obviously there's quarantine messaging in the original yeah. Alien saying, you put us all at risk yeah, because you broke quarantine. quarantine. Yeah. Yeah, so oddly sus. timely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so if, if Alien and Aliens, you know, we touched a little bit on Prometheus, but if those are kind of the high mark, do we have anything to say about Alien 3 and Resurrection, which 3, you know, Space Prison, um, and then Resurrection, I don't really have, I, I haven't seen that one. So please, Adam, if I could throw it to oh. you first. Yeah. Um, I'll say that for a while, as someone who loved Alien so much, and most of my friends had only seen Aliens, which... Looking back at my Lycos.com website I built in seventh grade, I actually did have wow. aliens ranked higher than Alien Whoa. at one point in my life, which was quite a surprise. But for a while, I was like, you know what? I like Alien 3 more than Aliens, which was just like a terrible contrarian Whoa. take. Like, what a, what it must have been like, I don't know how I old my I was. Chain I wallet, my chain wallet, my It's my favorite Fincher movie. <laughs> I'll say yeah. that the director's cut is better. Um, and I like Alien 3 for being just so depressing all the way through. What a, like, just stick to a tone. It's depressing. Right. It's kind of, it's a very unique movie, and I give a lot of credit to, like, weird, unique movies. So, like, you know, it's all right, I guess. Definitely below the other two. And Resurrection, I watched for the first time in years and years preparing for this. And the first, like, the first hour of that movie is such a fun, weird 90s movie. Like, uh, I really, it's stupid, but it's kind of, it, like, the effects hold up really well. Um, well, it's the- Joss Whedon, Adam. It's Firefly. I mean, the cast, <laughs> the, the ship Serenity docks and an alien boards it, essentially. And you go, yeah, okay, I'm yeah. down, I'm down, baby. Absolutely. It's the same crew. It's the Firefly crew. Um, And they show up on a ship with a bunch of aliens that look really good. Even the underwater aliens look okay. Takes a bad turn. It's like, I don't know. I think it's a fun popcorn movie. Like, it's worth a watch. But she does that basketball thing. Yeah, the one-shot basketball. I thought that was so cool. Basketball shot. Yeah, yeah I was, I, as a kid, I was genuinely like, that was... And Ron Perlman <laughs> blows it. He says out loud, no fucking way afterwards. And they had to keep shooting because he messed a take up. Uh, I, lo- I, love, uh, I love the character who is in a wheelchair that has shotguns built, or like guns built into the side of the chair. And also high survival rate in that film. A lot, a lot of those folks make it to the end, uh, which is surprising. So it's not good. It's not good. I like it. <laughs> like like Rise of Star Wars. It's like not Rise good, of Star Wars. But you like it. Yeah. I'd say well, it has it has more. Like I will defend it as a film more than I will Rise of Star Wars. Okay. Mm. But like it's them for similar reasons. Like a terrible movie. So that's a, a low bar. <laughs> but. Um, Here's my take on, on, so I have not seen Alien 3 in a long time, and I never saw Alien Resurrection. I was always like on my list to see, because obviously I loved the first two. I did want to see it at some point, never got around to you it. You love Joss Whedon. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I used to. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, but, that's a bad thing to say now. <laughs> well, obviously I was a huge fan of Firefly, like a lot of people were back in the day. Um, but 
for me, okay, Alien 3, my big problem with it, I feel like I'm biased against it because it starts with one of the stupidest decisions I've ever seen in a sequel. Basically, you know, they kill off Newt and Hicks and Bishop, you know, in the very beginning of the movie, like off screen. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, like, especially killing Newt, like that defeats the whole purpose of aliens. Like the whole point of aliens is that she's protecting Newt, you know, motherhood and all that. Right. So mm-hmm. why did you kill Newt? I always hated that movie just because of that fact, basically. So again, keep in mind, I'm in a racing car on a way to a vacation destination. This is playing like a marathon. We're on number three now. Mm-hmm. I'm crying. I am bawling my <laughs> eyes out when I'm hearing, they're dead? Everybody I love from that last movie is dead? Right. And I'm sitting, and I'm wiggling in my chair. I feel weird. I feel hot. When it gets to the beat-up Bishop, the Lance Henriksen who's down and he's torn up and he has a final conversation with her, I'm crying again. It's very hard. I'm having a very hard time watching this. And it just, it kills it. Yeah. Imagine it's just if like, he waited three years for that moment, you know, uh, or however long it was, like just hyped yeah, for aliens I mean, coming to Earth, which is what everyone thought it was going to be, right? Like the right. aliens will come to Earth. <laughs> like, they never yeah, they go to this weird prison, all male prison planet where these like weird religious prisoners. And it's just like so off putting to me to have such a baffling decision. Like, I understand if you want to kill Hicks, Michael Bean, fine. If you want to, you know, kill the android, but don't kill Newt. Like, come on, man. Imagine if that's how Rise of Star Wars started out, though. I'd say it's a bolder choice. If you're going to like <laughs> if you're going to say F you to the last director, maybe just kill off the main cast. And, like, the shit right. the Millennium Falcon explodes. It kills <laughs> like, oh, my God. This instead is, you get um, Chewbacca, who's just fine. Yeah, instead you do get right. that moment, Adam. You're right. So this is one of two instances, guys, where Frank Miller, famed comic book artist, yeah, Batman, Daredevil, all that good stuff, writes Mm -hmm. a sequel screenplay he writes alien 3 he writes robocop 2 i don't know if you guys know that as well oh wow Uh, where literally both of the takes each time is i'll just make it grittier everything people love from the beginning i'll just make it grittier you know i'll have hicks i'll have newt i'll have everybody um and they just throw it all out and they do the same thing for robocop 2 there's comic reissues now where people are like the true Alien 3 screenplay and they'll make like a, a Dark Horse comic of it. They're not very good. So to mm. anybody who's like, I wish we had gotten those movies, I'm just not positive the execution was ever going to be well pulled off, unfortunately. Right. It just seems like for this, they're just like, let's completely wipe the slate, the slate clean and just have Ripley. And she's the only continuing factor from the first two movies. And we're not going back to Earth. We're going to this, you know, uh, prison planet. Um, I don't know. It's just a weird decision. So I was always just like mentally biased against the movie. Like, I think it's probably a fine movie um, by itself, but just in, it pales in comparison to the first two, I think. Um, and then I never saw Resurrection, uh, but obviously, you know, David Fincher directorial debut was Alien 3. And then the director of Alien Resurrection is uh, Jean-Pierre Junette, who's a French director who's done a lot of weird um, movies, not at all like Alien, um, but, you know, he did Amelie. You don't think Amelie is like (laughs) Alien Resurrection? You don't think City of Lost Children is like Alien Resurrection? Right, but he's like this weird French art director who decided to make the fourth movie in a franchise, 
or probably, you know, you, you wanted to, you know, break into Hollywood. So I understand that. But um, so, yeah, it's just these these directors at the sort of beginning of their um, careers taking on these franchise projects. Uh, and then obviously David Fincher would go on and do a bunch of stuff, too. So kind of an interesting fact. I mean, which I, I always thought this trend kind of happened in the modern era where you'll get like an independent director who maybe has done one indie feature and then you get scooped up by the studio. You put him right. at the head because he might have creative ideas, but you can also keep him on a short leash. Um, I don't know if that was happening here, but the idea that, yeah, a lot of first time directors or, you know, totally. early directors taking over an alien film just to kind of get their foot in the door. I, I guess it was happening a lot earlier than I because I wasn't thinking about directors back when these were contemporary, for example. So yeah. interesting yeah. stuff for sure. Yeah. And I mean, Joss Whedon writing Resurrection. I mean, he that was even before Firefly came out. So that was pre-Firefly. Um, so, yeah. yeah, the beta test it. <laughs> it <laughs> James Cameron got the beta test Terminator 2. <laughs> it was all, right. all worked out. Adam, I can't believe you're pitching the movie where the Firefly crew meets up with the Resurrection crew meets up with the Jason X crew. <laughs> Oh, oh man, give this, me just that. wait until you read the script, man. Just read the script before you start criticizing <laughs> what I got Canada, going on here. It's I gonna think be it's cheap. Hot. No, Jason V Alien, it's the greatest. How do you stop the alien xenomorph? You gotta get the Jason X to battle it. Release the, the only Jason. way we'll survive. What would Jason be the best crossover? What would be the best alien crossover? <laughs> Hmm, I, I wonder that, what alien Jason series space. you could pit them against. Mike, do you have any thoughts? <laughs> An alien series pit the aliens against? Predators, maybe? Mm. I think they should have done that. Maybe in uh, 2004 would be a good time to release that. Franchise. So I've never seen AVP or AVP2, but obviously like the Predators are just like obviously much better than like the xenomorphs in terms of fighting like their whole purpose is to be predators right they fight they attack the weakness of whatever prey they're hunting so it's as strong and powerful as the xenomorphs are i would think that the predators would win in the end having not seen this, either movie this is why 13 year old me really enjoyed avp went opening <laughs> night packed house they even divided us like if if you want, because we got there kind of early, we're like we're kind of putting alien fans on this side and predator fans on this side. Like, Whoa. oh hell yeah, oh, Predator really? is one of my favorite movies. But like, come pick on, side. I'm, yeah, I'm an pick alien. A side. So we sit on the alien side, and there's a scene in that movie where one alien, or not one scene, but one alien, one measly alien, kills two of the three predators. And I was really? like, I never thought they'd do this. This is how it would be. I'm 13. Bullshit. This is cool, man. <laughs> like, See, I think Alien is a better movie than any of the Predator movies, but objectively, I think the Predators would have an advantage over the Better than the universe. first Predator? A quick aside, yeah. We'll, we'll do it like a tight two on Predator and Alien. Are they the same movie, just one's well, in the jungle? Like right? I mean, kind of. I'm an Arnold guy. I, I talked about it. I pitched to you guys, uh, Adam, I'll tell you now, when we did our um, Arnold episode, we literally just did an episode on Arnold Schwarzenegger. Go back and listen, Norman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember it. I pitched. It's fantastic. He has to be put in an alien movie. Make him the kindly old man now who's got like a cat. He's the Harry Dean Stanton. He's the mechanic space trucker. You know what I mean? Like he, if that got in there, Alien would be my favorite. I love Predator, man. I love seeing Dutch with a fucking gigantic machine gun fucking fighting for his life. Right. They're not space truckers, but they do all get wrecked in a similar fashion. (laughs) I think... 
to me, Predator is is the peak of the 80s action genre. Like, it is Mm. also one of my favorite movies, and I think that's what it represents. And to me, Alien is definitely, like, it's a much slower, like, it is more of a horror film than it is a sci-fi. And I've I wrote a paper Smart. arguing to the contrary once, but like I think it's it's mostly a horror film, like in its heart. Yeah. And Predator think, is yeah, mostly an action movie. Alien exercises restraint, which Predator has never heard of right. that word. <laughs> I would say Predator is more like aliens, right? You got the, the badass Marines getting their ass kicked ah. by aliens, right? But again, my take it's about fatherhood. Wait, no, it's not. Scratch that. <laughs> but but in in real life, like if predators and aliens fought again, I've never yeah. seen AVP or AVP two. Well, I have, so I'm I'm here to help you. <laughs> but the big difference between the predators and the aliens is that predators are like sentient beings, right? They're like, you know, they communicate. They have technology. Alien, mm-hmm. the xenomorphs are just like wild animals. They're not sentient in the same way. They're just like creatures, right? They're not, you know, they're not talking to each other. They're not, they don't have guns. So predators, totally different and superior fighters, in my view. I think but my I, view but, is part of why I disliked aliens for a while. Was like, you took my big, scary monster that's like, oh my gosh, one of these things could just destroy. We don't even know if it's scared of guns to like, right. just like slaughter fest of heads exploding and like. So I think I, th- I get I think you're right. Like if you look at the movies, clearly the predator is going to beat a few aliens. But in the canon, the aliens as a hive mind, directed you know maybe by the queen, they mm. got a chance. You know they got a chance. And all the the predators are 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 hindered Smart. by an honor code. You know right. Like, right. But there's they can an honor code. Visible. They can use you know infrared. Vision and shit. You well, sit on they're, the other they're... side of the theater, all right? <laughs> right. So, I think Alien is a better movie, but I think they're <laughs> they're stronger hunters in that way. Okay. Okay. Well, here's here's where I'm That's at as, as fellow person who has seen the film. Um, so the 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 aliens. Here's the thing. They they do have a queen. They have varying builds, right? There's alien dogs. There's alien xenomorph standard. There's a queen. There's different range right of right. types and they all have pretty yeah. there are predator pretty dogs durable in the new, in the or, or, so, yeah, now they have predator dogs but yeah the aliens have like a little bit more range and they're just general resilience is really high because they have acidic blood sure. right so that they're dangerous so if you sh- you do cut their limb off they'll just melt through the predator but the armor. predators would know that because they, they would research their prey and then they would know how to the best way to combat their prey. And AVP posits that they deposit the aliens on planets as a hunting challenge. Like, right. this is and they their specifically go prey. after the strongest and best prey that they could find. Right? Right. So that's, they choose the alien. But um, is this the first time aliens have been on Earth in the franchise history then? Is an AVP planted here by predators? I think so. Um, not, we wanted them to be on Earth. EU. They were on Antarctica. In EU not in stuff, EU. Uh, they, they are but on, on screen. Earth. Otherwise, movie-wise, oh, well, much... A- Predator 2, though. There's an alien skull yeah, in Predator totally. 2. Very true, because oh, they hunted so one, counts. which is great. I always wish there was an E.T. skull there, too. <laughs> nice. Like, we got him! <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we got all of them. That is the story of how the, the crossover spawned, right? Is that Easter? Yes. Fans wanted That's that true. as a misdirect. Um 
I don't know. I uh, that's adding more credence to the AVP movies for me. I never thought about the fact that it's all They're canon on now. Earth at least. Well, I'm also confused about the time My because mind. Predators are set in our time, yet Alien is set in the future. Can so I tell you the coolest the uh, Easter egg, Jacob, of these movies? Actor Lance Henriksen, who plays Bishop, of course, plays the CEO who funds the expedition in AVP because he's doing research into longevity technology. And towards the end of the movie, he says like something like, let's move ahead with the Android program then. And you're like, oh, it is all oh. part of it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, they also were the, I mean, it's probably not the first time, but it's like they have the plot point where everything's buried in Antarctica. And it's like, I see you, King of the Monsters, ripping off AVP. Get out of here. Sure, sure. How dare you, aliens? I don't believe in that science. Uh, back to the AVP of it all. Let me ask you this, Mike, as a fan who was seeing it in theaters. Yes. We're at a young enough age to, were you part of this crowd that was like, well, how do you make that without it being an R-rated movie? That's bullshit. And then you get the second one, AVP Requiem, an R-rated movie, where I almost wonder, did they title it Requiem so you would know the R is right there? This is an <laughs> AVP that is R-rated? Did, did it bug you? Do you give a shit about that? The, the PG-13 for, like, AVP didn't really bother me. You know, I, I guess I didn't think about it. Maybe it should have, but it was like, yeah, you know, there'll be some action. Because there is blood, but it's, like, alien blood. So, I mean, the humans aren't getting, like, ripped apart or anything. But there is, like alien on alien violence or predator on alien violence which was enough for me you know and it didn't need to be rated r but then requiem which i didn't see i'm I'm only i'm a purist i only like avp1 also on hbo if anybody's looking for all these every alien slash predator slash except for the newest one slash alien versus predator is streaming other than alien covenant gotcha which is no reason to watch that which when you're watching you want to see michael fassbender kiss himself Wow. Oh, sign me up for HBO right, Max. Time to watch it. <laughs> All right. Can I but, tell uh, a quick story about that, that real quick? Uh, yeah. I recommend. I left that theater and and sent a long text to my father that was like, "Alien Covenant is a gay movie." I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I don't mean that in a positive way. It is about the homosexual experience. It is about an a, a robot being so mad that he can't have children. And he wants yes. to kiss himself so much that he does do it in one scene and then tells you that he made aliens out of big mosquito eggs and, and just tells you to deal with it. And he's like, and this is, I'm allowed to do this. And you're like, what? These are my children. No, I love like it. I mean. The craziest movie ever made. Yeah. I'll say this. Like, I think Prometheus is a decent movie. Um, obviously, Ridley Scott came back again to do Alien Covenant. It's not a good movie, but the best scenes are easily the best parts of the movie are when Michael Fassbender is on screen as David and the other android, I can't remember his name, but basically he plays two different androids that are both look like him. They have a bunch of scenes together. Those are the only good parts of that movie. Walter. Walter. Yes. David and Walter. And David was from Prometheus, um, obviously. Um, but yeah, as a huge Michael Fassbender fan, like I think he's a great actor just having those those philosophical debates with himself, that's the only good part of that movie. Which is so not a good many movie big ideas. <laughs> and they just, you could just imagine a guy with a, a tumbler of whiskey and a big cigar whose brother just jumped off a bridge saying out loud, and then Michael Fassbender kisses the other <laughs> Michael Fassbender. And you're like, right. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Overall, it's a very depressing movie for, because for Ridley Scott to go from Alien, one of the greatest movies ever made, 
to now making Alien Covenant is so low. Like, it's just it's just depressing to see because like you come back to the Alien franchise to make this, and so I would not recommend it. But those Michael Fassbender scenes are great. I think. Adam, Mike, do you guys have thoughts on Michael Fassbender? Are you guys fans of Magneto? <laughs> Just Michael Fassbender in general. I mean, handsome enough guy, <laughs> decent performer. Like, yeah, actor. Magneto is good. I mean, good. He can rock a turtleneck. I, I give him that. Adam, come on, Assassin's Creed, the snowman <laughs> killer thing movie. Look, he's he's on this string. That Jacob, he has lost his mind. The choices that he makes now. Agent, <laughs> hey, he needs to fire his agent. He married Alicia Vikander. That's awesome. He also has a bunch of like old domestic dispute stuff that's like, I guess, getting sniffed up now where it's like, ooh, watch out, Michael Fassbender. You got to play fast and loose. I guess he's also like a legendary alcoholic. Inglorious Bastards. I mean, it's all there, but I just, this is a guy who I watch where I'm like, you have just fallen off the earth for me. He's no Ian McGregor, I tell you that. I think he's better than There's no Jude Law. There's no way. I will say, I. Same I've always category. been a big fan of him. He's in a bunch of good stuff. Earlier in his career, he was in this movie called Hunger, directed by Steve McQueen. Not the actor Steve McQueen, but the director of uh, 12 Years a Slave. This was his first movie, Hunger. It's a great movie about Bobby Sands, the IRA, Hunger Strikes, all that stuff. Um, he's a great actor. He's been yeah. on a, a... By your a, fifth Magneto appearance, you're like, this guy's a great actor. <laughs> No, I, th- I still think he's a great actor. He's been in a string of bad movies, questionable choices. Um, I didn't know about the domestic abuse stuff. Um, that it's not great, but for me, it's you know, it's Tom Hardy, it's Michael Fassbender. You give me those two in a movie together, both I oh, think yeah. like legendary drunk scumbags. <laughs> well, if we're <laughs> talking about like tarnished records. Legacy. Like the one, one of the only sticking points with aliens with me, and I'm not even sure how to think about it, is like there is brown face in that movie, um, Vasquez, Vasquez. who mm. was one of my favorite characters. My Lyco site, what? Was Jewish like woman, Adam. The, the, the Lyco site, yeah, yeah. I did Janet, not know that. Janet something or other. I think uh, Goldsmith no or something yeah, like that. Goldstein. Like very, yeah. I think it's. Uh, well, gold something. If, she has a, a bit like a bra company in Los Angeles, a bra store where the alphabet is, the alphabet begins at D is where the the ads are. <laughs> it's like large bras, and um, mm. like I love that character so space. much, and like it is tarnished a little bit just knowing like that's that could have been casted differently. I had <laughs> like, no idea. Well, wow. if that movie was made today, that role would be played by Michelle Rodriguez. So. Um, totally true, yeah, dude. Absolutely. Where is that? But uh, uh, yeah, that's like a short circuit scenario there. I know oh. that really bums me out because I love Johnny Five, but I, I have a very hard time revisiting short circuit and short circuit. Johnny <laughs> Five is complacent. Things change, you <laughs> yeah. know. Like I imagine it wasn't easy for for anybody in Hollywood in the eighties as a, a woman to get offered a role yeah, where as you're a like Jewish woman. A I've seen like, I've seen Alien so many times, and I never realized that. I just can I tell you another role she plays? Who else is she? Janine, stepmom. Hey, Janine. Uh, how's Wolfie? T two. Oh, Whoa! Another James Cameron. Cameron class. Same lady. Okay. She did an episode of a podcast called I Was There Too, where she talks about, you know, working on aliens. Um, that's just like, you know, it's something that never even popped into my head. And it's one of the things when I whenever I watch old movies, I'm usually like, uh, 
in a few places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. that's a spot in Alien. Even it's Bill like and Ted had a couple. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that blows be my there. mind because I literally had no idea. Yeah, yeah. but you know, you, when you look back oh. at stuff too, everything's coming from a time period where specific things were or were not more common than they are now for better or for worse. So totally. I always yeah. take that with a grain of salt, but that, yeah, that's like one of the things that you don't even think about um, until you go back. Uh, any other thoughts on alien covenant, the other alien movies before we do our final, final thoughts as a wrap up of this episode, last kind of touches on the later alien films, which I did not Prometheus see. stuff, Adam, like just the, I know you gave your kind of thoughts on it, but just the big stuff. Do you like that it becomes more Android centric, that it becomes engineer, the space jockeys and stuff that it gives you some answers? I well, guess the, the, the engineers were a kind of bummer to me because in the EU, like in the aliens novels, I remember like being terrified by they show up. And they're very like they show up at the end of maybe the first Aliens book and like they look into Ripley's mind or whoever the main character's mind is. And they just the end of the book is like they know like this creature only wants their destruction and like it's very creepy and like so I was excited about the engineers. Like when you see that thing sitting in the chair, it's another moment that's terrifying in that movie it's so yes. good so just worlds um, within worlds right yeah but no i didn't i didn't i was didn't care about any of it and my biggest gripe was like how are you gonna back off on the computers looking like they're retro like how are you right. not gonna stick to the your 70s guns? costumes yeah. yeah well what we have so here cool. is a george lucas prequel scenario where you ah. wait for years and years, you, you it's a prequel, obviously, right? And you want the yeah. answers. Who who is this space jockey guy? What what was this ship doing before it landed on this planet? And then you get the answers from the original creator, and it's not what you wanted it to be or expected it to be. Um, and like the prequels, the other problem I have is that the like you said, the technology of the ship and everything is more advanced than it was in Alien. So that doesn't make sense to me. Um, which I understand, you know, modern prequels are going to have more. But models technology. would be that expensive to shoot, Jacob. You couldn't just do it again. Look at something right, like Moon. Yeah. You know, there's no CG there. I think totally. a lot of times we're getting to a point now, too, where the, the actual artisans and, like, tradespeople who know how to work well with models are getting yeah. old and dying. And uh, that trade is yeah. not getting passed down, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. And, it's, it's, you know, it's all about CG now. But that's one of the main things I love about Alien is the production design that used future look. I think it's one of the best looking movies, sci-fi or otherwise. Those title cards you know, with time. that distinct yeah. lettering as it opens up. You're just yeah. like, shit, this and it's like now a fucking aesthetic. Yeah, you really don't see it too much in sci-fi now. Like you said, Moon, that's a great example. But now everything sci-fi is like super clean. It's super like an Apple store. Sleek. Yeah. yeah I Looks hate like it. Star Trek. JJ everywhere. Star Trek. Totally. Yeah. 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 Star Trek. You Looks know, like trash to, now. <laughs> yeah. The TNG era Star Trek. I love the production design. And now it's it's just looks like generic sci-fi. And everything looks like that now. And I want my used future, you know? That's... Uh, yeah, it's the biggest bummer for me because that's if the the alien drew me in. What keeps me going to back to that movie over and over and over again is 
it looks so good even on Blu-ray because everything's real. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. all there. There's there's one thing that is clearly just a like spray painted silver shopping basket on a wall. Hell in yeah. One shot. <laughs> but like everything else looks phenomenal. But I love that also. It's like kit bashing things you find in real life, right, for set design. But uh yeah. you know, we, we talked about how the original alien feels like Jaws in space in some ways, and the the main ethos there is don't show the shark and then something like prometheus or covenant are like not only showing you the shark but like and here's his digestive system and like don't you want to know <laughs> right. like, and, and it's that's like the saddest thing too much seeing the yeah the cg xenomorphs in covenant i think that's the lowest of the low because it's it's really scott yeah. directing but the difference is so big that you have uh i don't know how many of you guys have seen covenant but there's a scene where Literally, you know, it's on the windshield. Of the, the, it's yeah. in the trailer. They give it yeah, away. That's why yeah. I didn't watch it. That's why I didn't watch it. Saw that shot in the yeah. trailer and was like, hard pass. Nope. Right. Yeah. So and it's just like, you know, it's just like George Lucas putting a bunch of CG crap in his, in his old movies. It's just like. Just get a very slender person in an alien rubber suit and spray it with right. a ton of goop. Have Please. you seen Have you seen that test footage? Because it's one of the creepiest things ever. It's just a guy walking around in the hallways in the suit with no sound, and it's terrifying. It's I will like, have to look that up. That's incredible. Very unsettling. He's like wow. seven foot tall, too, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Just kind of one of a kind performance there. One of those like unsung heroes <laughs> are those creature suit performers, right? It's probably the same guy yes. who did Pumpkinhead. Don't quote me, but yeah, like, it would it's very be likely. Doug Jones now, you know, it would be right. like a big Star Trek body alien or like a Guillermo del Toro. Why doesn't Guillermo del Toro take over the alien verse and do like oh, uh, that would be great? Yeah, you know, like something gross. I'll be down oh. for that. All right, well. Now I think it's a good time for us to uh, have one last meal before we go back into the deep sleep, you guys. Sound good? We'll I'd say so. I feel pretty sick, Mike. Uh, it's all right, so go yeah, let's go ahead and get our last thoughts before uh, before dinner's ready on the Alien oh. franchise. Stories <laughs> like us. Get a spoon. Get a spoon. We're back. We're talking the Alien franchise. I got a little sick before our break, but I'm feeling better now, and uh, we've got my little helper here now. I'm going to call him Colin Jr., my little buddy. I think he's going to stay this (laughs) size forever. I love him. I'm bleeding out, but uh, I've got my little spawn here, and I'm very happy. Yeah, I'm proud (laughs) of you, man. Thanks, guys. And he's here to join us while we talk our wrap-up, our final thoughts, our favorite things about the Alien franchise, things we just want to point out. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, Adam, you know, I'll kick it over to you first. Just, uh, you know, what do you think? As a guy who's seen most of them, even if you can't have Covenant in there, I do want to hear your ranking, just as somebody who's seen a lot of these guys. Mm. Now, you said the aliens, the alien, they're flipping, they're flopping, they're switching, they're switching. But how do you feel now about it? I feel a release order is exactly how I would rank it. Even having wow. not seen Covenant, I think that's pretty safe. So for top me. down. Like, <laughs> yeah. I truly think you might be onto it there. What other series <laughs> could you do that where it's just first is best, the last is worse? And I think yeah. there's an argument. Like definitely, Aliens is of a similar caliber. It's just a different like genre. It's a, it's the seventies, the death of the seventies versus the eighties. Like right there on film. Um, and so, uh, you know, it may be three and resurrection could be flipped. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, release order for sure. Um, and overall, like this franchise is really important to me. 
If it was just Alien, I would like to say that I would love it just as much, but I think a big part of why this sealed in for me was it was a franchise. It was something that wasn't Star Wars that I could finally, like, sink my teeth into. And, like, there's tons of lore. There's tons of expanded universe stuff that I, you know, read and enjoyed. There are toys. There's everything. Um, Alien remains my favorite movie. I have a tattoo of the Nostromo crew patch. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I still like it. And that, that happened in college. So I think that speaks to like how well the film holds up for me. You got a tram stamp though, that says LV 427 though, right? (laughs) (laughs) Property of the Whaling Corp. No, it's Fury, Fury 126 (laughs) or whatever the prison planet is called. (laughs) (laughs) Property of Whaling Corp. (laughs) Yeah, that's what mine says. Property of Whaling Corp. (laughs) But I've talked about a lot of things. (laughs) Wayland Putani back here. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I continue. Too much. <laughs> I, since I've talked about, you know, just loving and almost everything about the first one I love aesthetically. So to say once again, Sigourney Weaver in these movies, just phenomenal. I think you're right. I think Aliens, she deserves an Oscar. Like that script is good. But that script could also be performed very poorly. I think she just like it's really incredible, especially in you know the first two movies when she's got everything surrounding her. Her audition tape is fantastic, like for Alien, where she's just running through corridors with like glycerin <laughs> on her face. Um, happy seventieth birthday to a very beautiful woman. The day we're recording this today, guys. Wow! Hey, happy birthday, Sigourney. We birthday. did it. She's uh everything I I don't want her to ever be ruined for me. Everything I know about her is that she's a fantastic uh human being. Um I am so, Zulu. Yeah. I just couldn't I couldn't love I couldn't love Alien any more than I do, I think. And uh the rest of the franchise, Aliens, also love it very much and the rest is all just fun popcorn. It's like the new Star Wars movies. I have no real investment in 3 or 4, so I'll just take them for what they are. <laughs> Yeah, and I'll jump in here. This is Zeno Mike. Um, I think, you know, having not seen all of them, right, but knowing the first one kind of by itself in a bubble, like the original Jaws, is like this cinema classic and like near perfection and execution in every way, just, just like Jaws. So that should be enjoyed on its own in a private kind of viewing. Get Sit down, get ready. The rest of the series, you could just spend a couple days or an afternoon just playing them on repeat, right? Just hanging out popcorn, like Adam said. I think it's a lot of fun, and there's value to be had in that extended universe. And then, as he said, the first one, if that's all that existed, would also be great. Um, That being said, I have a couple questions, mainly one question. Space Marines, in their hypersleep, do they have friends and lives? Like, if they are sleeping for extended durations, are they taking that job because they're the kind of people who just don't give a shit, or what? I think they probably need the money and it's probably like a contract thing where you do like nine months or a year or whatever on the ship and then you come back. Like Ripley being asleep for 57 years, that's not standard. I think it's more like, you know, they're asleep for 
six months or whatever. And it's terrible, and it's, you know, she's leaving her daughter alone, but how long was Ripley supposed to be asleep? In that opening scene of number one, Jacob, they go, oh, this isn't Earth. Oh, we're really far from Earth still. It's like, how much time was supposed to right. pass? It took, it took them six months off course, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And that's like yeah. the big revelation. What they're most upset about is like, we've would been be taking months off right. course. Right. I, I feel like that was like a two-year assignment is what I is the, the vague feeling that I have. I have nothing to back that up. Sounds right. Yeah. It's a tough little job there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was my main... S- oh, I'm just saying it's a real long-haul trucker kind of thing. And like, so you go out and you're aging because of the hypersleep, you know, a year or like less than a year, but you come back and like, if you had a daughter who was four, now she's suddenly, you know, in first grade or something, right? Like... Yeah. It, you got to have kind of no ties, I would think, back to Earth to really be like, yeah, fuck it, you know, hypersleep. Yeah, yeah. But it's a in- cool, it's a cool like uh, concept, though. You know, it doesn't really make sense for to have sublight travel or like however it works. Like either you're kind of teleporting through space or you're not. <laughs> like you just got to pass of, that time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and we see I, that I, in other sci-fi movies earlier. Like I think Planet of the Apes had something similar like that. If I'm not mistaken, there. Where they wake up out of hypersleep. 2001 has hyperpods, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a trope that we see more in here. Um, But this series has inspired a lot, even through osmosis. I think, you know, C-Lab 2021 did a parody of it. Cowboy Bebop has an episode that is basically alien. You know, so it's just one of those things that has left its its mark. I even remember watching a movie called Carnosaur. Is anyone familiar with this? Why? It's a ripoff of Alien and Jurassic Park where dinosaurs are in a facility and then at the end the guy fights a T-Rex in a bobcat similar to the power what? lifter and the alien queen and it's Hell, really terrible. That's but, uh, dope. Alien, they, without that you wouldn't have such works as Carnosaur but that's my final <laughs> thoughts. First one's a classic. Watch Carnosaur. That, that's me. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll jump in. And, you know, obviously my views are pretty similar to you guys. I think, um, Adam, we have very similar tastes uh, with the aesthetics of the series and everything as well. I love Alien, one of my all-time favorites. The production design, I can't state how much. I just love the look of that movie, the ship design, the industrial used future of it all. Uh, I just love it so much. Aliens, I also love. It's a classic, and I'm a big, you know, James Cameron fan as well. Um, the rest, like, like you said, I could, I could take or leave them. They're fun, you know, popcorn movies. But those first two are classic for me. My rank would be Alien, Aliens, then a big gap, then Prometheus, and then the rest. Fastbender kiss, just. Well, that's Covenant. Oh but, shoot! Okay, see. <laughs> no, I would put Covenant last. Um, because that's a real low, I think, uh, for Ridley Scott. But Prometheus, mm, I like because it's, yeah, I like Prometheus enough because it's not just, you know, about Xenomorphs. It's about the prequels. It's about, you know, in a lot of ways, I think it is similar to the, the Star Wars prequels where it's telling this, you know, story about where did the, the space jockey come from and everything. Um, and I think there's some interesting ideas in there, but it's not a great movie. Um, but I'll take that over Covenant any day. Um, but yeah, Alien, I just love it. And uh, that's pretty much all I have to say. Colin, how about you and your, your new son? Do you guys have any final thoughts? Come here, little baby Colin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, sit down. Good sit point, down. yeah. 
be quiet for a minute. Jacob, can I get some new quotes? Can I get, uh, they mostly come at night, mostly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to hear it. What you say? <laughs> I, want yeah, you, I want you to say it right now. I want to hear a new quote. Uh, they mostly come at night, mostly. Mostly. Wow. And um, the, the actress that played Newt never was any, anything else after yeah. she retired from acting. Didn't want to pursue a career. Very curious. You have to yeah. assume maybe a terrible time getting scared by aliens nonstop <laughs> as a little girl covered in garbage. But uh, uh, she's probably pissed that she got killed before Alien Three, so she's just like, "I quit. I'm forever. done. This business is bullshit." <laughs> Yeah, I can't help but look at the first one now in this pantheon of filmmakers. Again, my big question is, what is the Ridley Scott of it all? When I look at Terminator, that is James Cameron. When I look at Halloween, that is John Carpenter. And then Alien is right up there. It's this trinity of beautiful artists who have just redefined the slasher thing you know it was the most popular thing on the planet they looked at it and said i can figure out how to do that i don't know you know ridley scott's not my guy tony scott i'm a little more of a tony scott guy it might turn out well for me you know obviously ridley scott's done a lot of movies in the past 40 or whatever years to me when i think of ridley scott i think of alien and blade runner which are both pretty early mm-hmm. in his career obviously he's done a lot of other stuff gladiator etc etc i would Um, say younger people just think of gladiator jacob yeah and i think gladiator is fine it's not like not even like a top 100 movie for me but it's it's not a bad movie i don't think but to me that you know blade runner and alien together are just two of my all-time favorite movies and so i just you know love i just love that era of sci-fi in general you know late 70s early 80s um really a high point for sci-fi in movies and um i don't you know i don't follow ridley scott's career as much as i'll follow like some of my other favorite directors ryan johnson or (laughs) (laughs) even like toby hooper right texas chainsaw massacre mike one of Mm -hmm. your favorites look at a film like life force you know for canon films which is an alien-esque it's space vampires patrick stewart's in it it's got that aesthetic it has this cool 70s sci-fi thing, Jacob's saying. But to what Adam said, too, it's kind of only this in Star Wars where I'm like, yeah, but that is what I think space looks like. You know, that is that is what it is. It's just it's perfect in every execution of it. Even when I watch the David Lynch Dune movie, I'm like, no, 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 this is wrong. Like, every part right. of this is actually, like, really bad, messed up, and not <laughs> even close to the proper execution. Let me pose this to you. Because yeah. Mike was saying, like, yeah, you know, the good outweighs the good, the bad outweighs the bad, and it's a little later. Isn't it almost astounding, speaking of Terminator, that we never got a fucked up TV version or spinoff of it? The Sarah Connor Chronicles. Sarah Connor Chronicles. Where is mm. the Ripley Diaries? You know, the, mm. the alien home thing. <laughs> Noah Howley, before he made the Fargo TV series, pitched at Fox and FX an alien TV show. They were, they were keen for it, but they also knew the Disney merger was coming up. So I also wonder to you guys, and I would put out there, what is the future of the Alien franchise? If the mouse house is like, well, you know, Daisy Duck's not popping out of those eggs. This is a little too intense. You know, we're, we're not fucking around with any of this bullshit. Well, it is interesting, too, that we've never got like a, a reboot or a remake of Alien. Like, you know, Terminator, we've had, you know, different Sarah Connors even, 
you know, we've had, you know, my, my queen, Khaleesi. Yeah, we've never, <laughs> you know, we've never tried they to recast almost, Ripley. Well, they almost did make Alien 3. They almost did remake it. Sigourney Weaver was signed on, and I think um, they were going to bring Michael uh, Bean, Michael Bain, Michael... They were going to bring him back, and they mm-hmm. were going to do Alien Three with uh, the District Nine director, right? They were going to. Wow. That was like really far down the road, um, and the director was really excited about it. Sigourney Weaver was excited about it, and it just kind of fell apart because Ridley Scott was like, "Oh no, 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 no! Actually, I changed my mind. Prometheus, no, we're going to make I'm Covenant. in charge of Alien." So that's oh. that's another reason why I am. I'm just remembering now I was so bummed about Covenant as this other project was getting worked out. And that's when Ridley Scott was like, actually, yeah, we are going to make a Prometheus sequel. Um, it's instead. his. You you don't get the Galen herd. You know, you don't you don't get the cool writer force like with Terminator, who's like, well, actually, I'm kind of the person who's going to be the steadfast champion of this franchise. Like Adam said, like Ridley Scott kills stuff. He goes, no, 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 no. I have an even better idea. I'm just going to ask Michael Fassbender whatever he wants to do in this next one. You go, no, well, no, I don't think that's what it should be. Well, again, I think it's like George Lucas with Star Wars before he sold it to Disney, um, you know, with the prequels. I think it's very similar that he wants to control his property, even if he doesn't have maybe the best ideas for where the series should go, but no one can really tell him no because he's really Scott, right? I, yeah, I say, basically. I say let it die. I don't want to see a bad alien TV show. I don't know how you do an episodic horror, like maybe an aliens. Good point. Like show. Um, yeah, he has this but... HBO max original series raised by wolves, a similar principle to Prometheus. Yeah. These like robots raising children on another planet. Do, do any of you guys fuck with that? I, I do not watch it. It's been, I haven't seen it. Not seen it. Yeah. I, I checked out the trailer and stuff. It's getting decent reviews, but it didn't really, I've heard it's the much. best sci-fi on TV. And Ridley Scott did a big AMA where he's like, yeah, or like I'm the, you know, I'm the champion of this series. Or, I walked it through the whole thing. It's all my beliefs, all my thoughts about science and life. And you go, but what are those thoughts when you're the guy who also makes Thelma and Louise and right. uh, the duelist, and yeah, any other random crazy The Martian? Is the Martian the career that Ridley Scott had? Well, he just started making more Oscar Beatty type stuff. And like The Martian isn't isn't a bad movie, but it's very like grounded sci-fi. It's not like you know, super future sci-fi. Well, he escapes the xenomorph when he gets off of the surface of Mars at the end. You do see a xenomorph like grabbing at the ship and scratching <laughs> right, right. like a gremlin. He's like, "Ooh, I barely cut. made it away." Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, we've seen some sci-fi remakes of Alien, like they did Life with Jake Gyllenhaal. They had all right. those. Yes. I mean, that concept has been done yeah. so many times, even with Prometheus. Cloverfield I mean, in Prometheus, space. The way the right. slow burn of, of Prometheus is very similar to Aliens. He's just kind of rehashing his own thing. But. I mean, in the trailer for Covenant, it's like, oh, here's a bunch of uh, blue-collar people on a spaceship. This guy wears right. a hat. And it's like, yeah, where have I seen this before? <laughs> you know, uh, Literally, yeah. I'll tell you where you've seen it, Mike. In the previous movie, when Idris Elba, as the pilot in Prometheus, is also a southern guy. I don't understand why that <laughs> trope was like, yeah, this totally makes sense. They're just like weird south people. In the future, anybody can go to space, even us from the damn south. I do want to say, I think um, 
you know, Alien Covenant lives up to the series in one way in that they kill off the cliffhanger from Prometheus immediately, just like <laughs> the they legacy. do in Alien 3 um, by killing, uh, what's her name, from the end Numi of Prometheus. Numi Rapace. Numi Yeah, they, they blast off to go to the engineer's home world. Next movie, oh, no, I, uh, David killed her right away. <laughs> so, wow. throwing the one garbage. One question I've been meaning to ask. Favorite android? Who's who's your favorite android? In Interesting question. Obviously, you that have to go Bishop. He's so strong. I will give a crazy answer and say the one thing to watch Covenant for, Walter, the second uh, reiteration of, of uh, Michael Fassbender, he's the bishop of that movie. Like, truly, he gives yes. lines like, don't worry, I will take care of this. You know, I, I've got this. You can always trust me. And I'm like, all right. Yeah, you're like, I'm giving myself over to you. He's the good boy. Um, unfortunately, there's a there's a twist of Covenant is that obviously David replaces kills Walter and replaces him. Spoiler alert! But um, the twist is so obvious because like I didn't I couldn't even believe like you want me to think that's a twist when it's so obvious like uh, that that happened. Um, so obviously not a fan of Covenant, but I do like Bishop because I love Lance Henriksen. He's just got such a unique look to him. Gotta love that. I just gotta go with Ash because it was again played so close to the Bad vest boy. that when it finally happens, you're like, "Oh shit!" True, true. Mike, and, you're just uh, trying to shove a magazine down my mouth as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, that's how you download data. <laughs> in that future, <laughs> he thinks it's R two D 2s little stick. It does. He's <laughs> having like a glitch. Exactly. Adam favorite. Got it's done. gotta be Bishop, right? Yeah, so I would... I, it's Bishop's hard to beat. Like, what a fantastic character! Um, but I do love like what Ash has going for him most is on rewatch. You can tell that he's an android. Like, you know, like the choices totally. that he makes are so like they're so good. Like, he just seems a little off like the whole way right. through, and then just it all so clean clicks. cut and reserved the whole time. It's like you think, oh, what is this guy? Like some kind of stuck-up guy? But Especially in contrast to the rest of the crew. Like, yeah, on a rewatch, yeah. it kind of sticks his out. his head's on the floor, and he's like, I can't lie to you about your chances, <laughs> but you have my sympathies. Just like, oh, what yeah, a great... Yeah, a killer last What line. a great line, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Way to go. Totally. He tells me to get the one ring at the end. It's very scary. <laughs> <laughs> I sure would like to see that ring of mine one it's last fine. time. <laughs> <laughs> Let yeah. me hold it one more time. It's heads on the floor, yeah. Amazing stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's the Alien franchise. We hope it's spooky enough for y'all out here in Spooktober Episode 2. I want to thank Adam for being on the show. Do you have anything you want to plug to the listeners out there in uh, in listening land? You can catch me, twitch.tv slash elegantweapon. In the mornings, I have a YouTube channel. It's called Elegant Weapon, but it doesn't have enough views for that to be searchable. You can check out Emperor Palpatine on Shadows of the Empire, meaning his thoughts on Shadows of the Empire (laughs) is what will pull up a video. And we'll put a link in the description of this episode. You've done some Bloodborns. Bloodborne? Bloodborne. Bloodborne. Uh, I always try to watch them later because you're too early for me, but I, I do try to check them out, Adam. Um, <laughs> you've done some yeah, Star Wars person. games, Fallen Order, Knights of the Old Republic. What are you playing right now as they listen or what's coming up? I think I'll be playing Bloodborne forever. Um, I'm not good at games. I play them hard. I did beat Fallen Order on Grandmaster. It is the crowning achievement of Damn. my video game career. Wow. That was months-long stream. And that's Some of those boss fights are very difficult. 
Alien Isolation after this. A replay. I demand it. I, I want to watch I you. Lights out. Green neon light on your face. <sighs> uh, oh! <laughs> I'll just be covered in Vaseline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the whole stream. It sounds great. But thank you Very guys so humid. much for having me on. I'm sorry. Always a pleasure. I, I feel like I'm always running your podcast long because I love these things so much. But this no, is it. This, this, this is all the franchises for. I love. You covered them all. I mean, so uh, yeah, let's out, listen we'll list them up. <laughs> Alien, Star Wars, Sonic the Hedgehog. Of course, we hit all <laughs> yeah, the big go. food groups. Yeah. yeah I've seen that movie when are they going to make an Alien, times. an AVS, Alien versus Sonic? Well, Sonic is an alien, so yeah. <laughs> Whoa, dude, you look like there a chili dog. Later. <laughs> is that a chili dog on your head or is that your head? <laughs> Gross. You look like the phallic <laughs> representation of a penis that a German guy would have thought up. Later, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. This is sick. It'll be uh, Jim Carrey teaming up with the... Uh, Michael Jim Carrey as the alien. <laughs> okay, let's do Dreamcast yeah. real quick. I said uh, right. Arnold, Jim Carrey, Clint Eastwood. Let's just do like a Suicide Squad old man <laughs> version of Alien and put all these motherfuckers in spacesuits just and shoot it how Adam was saying Ridley Scott through the first one, where it's like, you guys just go over to the toaster. You know, I just want there. some banter. You guys are making breakfast. <laughs> so much to do a found footage alien <laughs> spinoff film. That Apollo 18, like it's that just would be all cool. told in like personal logs and like security footage. Short film. Make it happen. There you go. Yep. But in the meantime, we'll be making Spooktober happen. We got two more spooky Ooh. episodes coming up around the corner. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen to the Scream episode. This has been in space. No one can hear you scream. And thanks, yeah. always, for riding along with us. All right, I'm going to put That's my little right. buddy in the astrolock here. We're going to eject him in a bit because he's getting rowdy. But this has been your host, Space Marine Colin. Zeno Mike. This is Jake Land-Utani. This is uh, Adam Ripley, last survivor of Normies Like Us, signing off. You will find Adam's recording 50 years in the future when he wakes up. Hell yeah, this is Aquaman, and if you enjoyed that episode, I'd really appreciate it if you give it a like, share, and subscribe on iTunes, and you'd really be one of my man if you share with a friend. We'll be seeing you around. Where's that damn cat? Jonesy. Uh, Jonesy. Jonesy. All right. Yes, it's me. <laughs> that cat had to know. Like, it was like, man, these fucking people, they never feed me on time. They just sleep for months in those weird chambers. Fuck them. Yeah, that's what, does the cat also get, like, a hypersleep chamber? Or is it just that's my number one question. It's a litter box. This? It, sleeps on, it sleeps on Ripley's tum-tum. It's in the oh. movie. I, I uh, when they first wake uh, up, is it in there, too? Or just when I don't think it is. It makes me think some fly shenanigans might happen. And then, it, yeah. Maybe it just takes care of the rats while they're in hypersleep and they just like have oh, a new shit. cat every couple of like, you know. <laughs> like it's just having lore. generations and they're just having spawn after spawn of cats. It's a generation like, cat ship, right. The humans just go into stasis, but there's like 10 generations of cats on these routes. Good ass fanfic. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. That will be all. God damn it. That's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all of this, this bullshit that you think is so important.
You can just kiss all that goodbye.